Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this week's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. We are finishing, finally, finally, our journey through our long summer of abdominal angst, where we've been covering what, you know, a very good med student differential looks like for the most common complaint in emergency medicine. So this is really high yield stuff. It's just a big topic. And it's all been based off of the CDAM core curriculum with a few things added in. Now, obviously, your presentation is going to sound really rehearsed and bad if you're just reading off the list of the things that we've covered or if you just like, you know, list this out on every case of abdominal pain that you have. You're going to sound absolutely ridiculous if you do that because it's a long list. That's not really the point. If I had wanted you to like memorize the differential for abdominal pain, I would just do what surgeons do and I'd just make you, you know, I'd come up with a mnemonic or something, come up with 20 things that cause right lower quadrant abdominal pain, right? So it's not about that. The point is your attendings are going to want to see you focus down on the types of differential diagnoses that they think about. So that's what I'm trying to teach you. That's why this is kind of a big deal. And so that's what we've been covering. And if you can get to the point on your clerkship where your differential diagnosis is like resonating with your attendings, where you're like one step ahead on your differential beyond what you're attending is thinking that you're totally set. So that's why we've been spending a lot of time here. So far, we've discussed appendicitis, diverticulitis, biliary disease, pancreatitis, bowel obstructions, bowel ischemia, bowel perforations, bowel volvulus, and twisting, ectopic pregnancy, UTI, ovarian torsion, testicular torsion, pelvic inflammatory disease, and prostatitis. So a nice solid start and lots of options, a menu of options to choose from on your abdominal pain differential, right? But what you need to know this week is that there are Hundreds of things that can cause abdominal pain. Tons and tons and tons. This episode is somewhat meant to represent that, but this is also things that you're going to find on your CDEM curriculum. And I don't really know what to call this category. I'm just going to call it the triple A's, but there are things that classically present in other ways. So I'll give you an example. We're going to talk about ACS. Classically is going to present as chest pain. A triple A is classically going to present as like syncope and back pain, uh, like an acidosis from like COPD or something. You're thinking it's going to represent like shortness of breath or something, but these can all cause abdominal pain. And these are on your CDM curriculum as well. So I wanted to just put them in here because it's a very sneaky thing that you can throw into your differential that is not necessarily intuitive. So three more diagnoses this week, and that's it, that uh, can all cause abdominal pain. I've seen all of these cause abdominal pain. And we're going to go real quick because we've actually covered all of these before. But let's just practice one more presentation before we wrap up. Hello, Dr. Olson. I have a 60-year-old male, diabetic, with a past medical history of coronary disease, COPD, hypertension, smoker, who presents with abdominal pain. He describes it as kind of this nonspecific, upper-ish type pain. It's kind of radiating up to his chest and his back. It's been going on for about three hours. He's had three episodes of non-bilious vomiting, but he hasn't had any fevers, chills, shortness of breath, urinary symptoms, no history of AFib, no history of similar symptoms. His blood pressure is a little bit low for an older guy, 100 over 50. On exam, he appears diaphoretic, but no focal tenderness on abdominal exam. There's no peritoneal signs. There's no CVA tenderness. I'm not really 100% sure what's going on here, but I want to rule out intra-abdominal pathology, but I also want to take a look and make sure he doesn't have MI, uh, diabetic ketoacidosis, or maybe like a bowel obstruction. 
for my testing plan, I want to get a CBC, a BMP, a lipase, some liver function tests, an EKG with a troponin, and a CT abdomen and pelvis uh, with contrast. I would like to get him four milligrams of Zofran, maybe some fluids. He looks kind of sickish. You might want to see him sooner rather than later. All right, so lots of possibilities here, and we're going to fly through these this week. This episode is not going to be very long. Let's start off with ACS, acute coronary syndrome. This is a critical diagnosis we've covered before, especially in older patients with this kind of poorly defined upper abdominal painish, nausea-y type stuff. You want to check them for acute coronary syndrome, acute coronary syndrome, because acute coronary syndrome, it doesn't always present as chest pain. You need to know that. There are things out there called anginal equivalents. I had a case recently, a younger guy, no chest pain, big STEMI, who presented with weakness. He had just felt very weak all of a sudden and a little bit of nauseous. Uh, you can have what are called anginal equivalents. In patients with risk factors and upper abdominal pain, risk factors for MI, I mean upper abdominal pain, obviously there isn't much exam stuff you can do to screen for acute coronary syndrome, but you want to be getting that EKG and troponin. You just want to be putting that in your plan. If positive, your treatment plan is going to be usually, you know, give aspirin, give some sort of anticoagulant like heparin, call cardiology. Uh, acute coronary syndrome can present as weakness. It can present as like this queasy, nauseous type stuff, uh, this upper kind of nonspecific abdominal pain. It can present in lots of different ways. Usually it's not going to cause like a focal tenderness, right? You're not going to get like a positive Murphy sign with acute coronary syndrome, but it, it's referred pain, right? You've, you know this. Very common. So this is an easy acute coronary syndrome with abdominal pain, chest pain, shortness of breath, weakness, uh, you know, just a just a pearl. This is an easy gimme diagnosis that you can put in your differential, especially in older patients, but in lots of different people who come in with a variety of symptoms just on your clerkship. Acute coronary syndrome is a good one to keep in mind. Next is acidosis. So this guy is a diabetic, right? We've done a critical diagnosis episode on DKA before. We've actually also done a critical diagnosis episode on like salicylate toxicity. But acidosis is frequently going to present as, as nausea with abdominal pain, kind of nonspecific abdominal pain and vomiting many, many times, I would say. And again, it's not just diabetic ketoacidosis. I've seen it's not just salicylate toxicity. I've seen COPD patients who are retaining tons and tons of COPD. Two, and they came in with a chief complaint of abdominal pain and I've like scanned the belly and it was the acidosis that was causing the abdominal pain. Any acidosis can cause kind of abdominal discomfort in a patient with COPD or diabetes, history of D DKA, someone who takes a lot of aspirin, acidosis should be on your differential. These patients won't be typically like significantly distended. They're not, again, they're not going to have like a Murphy's sign or like a focal, like McBurney's, right? There's nothing really focal usually on abdominal exam. It's, um, it's, it's all kind of just this referred nonspecific stuff, except for one thing. Can you guess what it is? I'm going to pimp you. What is one surefire way? I think it's almost surefire. I guess I don't know the specific sensitivity of it, but I think it's, it's surefire to diagnose acidosis on physical exam. 
There's only one way that comes to my mind, actually, the more I think about this, although I might be missing something. You got it? So it's actually the respiratory rate. So patients who have an acidosis, they're frequently going to compensate by hyperventilating and blowing off that carbon dioxide. So you see hyperventilation a lot in sepsis, in DKA, in salicylate toxicity is a good one that can cause abdominal pain again. Uh, but your the real acidosis exam finding is tachypnea. Testing plan. Uh, you, I mean, you can get a blood gas, I guess. Frequently, I you can just wait for like acid-based stuff on the electrolyte panel. So acidosis is going to give you that low bicarb, that low, it'll say like CO2, the low bicarb level is what you'll see. A normal is what, like 24. So if you see that it's like 10 or, you know, 12 or something, that's, there's an acidosis there. That's how I do it frequently myself. Sometimes I get a gas. But sure, I mean, if you really think they have bad COPD and there's a good likelihood it's COPD acidosis, yeah, I'll get an ABG. If I think it's a, D, a DKA acidosis, I'm getting a, a gas with urine ketones. If you think say, it's uh, sepsis causing acidosis, grab a lactic acid, right? If you think it's like a salicylate acidosis, grab a salicylate level. Nothing too, too fancy on testing with this. The last of the AAAs this week is... Abdominal aortic aneurysm, a triple A, certainly can cause abdominal pain. More frequently, I think you're going to see it presenting as like back flank, testicular pain, syncope, hypotension. Abdominal aortic aneurysm can cause lots of things again, but triple A is a good one to put on your differential, again, in older people. And again, we've done a critical diagnosis episode on this. That's why I'm flying through these. You can always go back and listen to those. The classic exam finding with a AAA is what they call a pulsatile abdominal mass, right? You hear people say this. But having seen many of these, even in retrospect, it can be hard to pick up a big pulsatile abdominal mass, even big ones. Bedside ultrasound is going to be your classic way to check for a AAA. Sometimes you have to get a CT too, uh, but you got to be careful because you don't want to have a delayed diagnosis of a AAA. But I've certainly called radiology to get people over there as soon as possible to get a, a CT scan. And I'm thinking in my head, I want to make sure the aorta is okay, that they don't have a big aneurysm. Just because, you know, I tried doing bedside ultrasound, they just had a ton of gas and they're really obese and I just couldn't get a confident bedside ultrasound on them. I'm, I'm only human, you guys. Real world. Just like you, I can't always see the aorta on my ultrasound. I'm not an ultrasound fellow or something, but it happens. The only caveat to this, the I'll say one more thing with this, though. I do sometimes send patients to CT if I don't have a good ultrasound. I've done that before. But the AAA cases that I've seen so far have exclusively been very easy to see on ultrasound. I think because like the aorta is so much bigger, right? So like the the aneurysm part of it, there's less bowel in between there or something. So it's usually pretty easy to see on ultrasound when the people have them. I've never been like, oh, there's some bowel gas there. Uh, and I'm trying to scoot the gas out of the way. And I'm like rolling this time doing all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, oh, there it is, the big aneurysm. I'm like, no, it's usually not like that. Usually if it's a big aneurysm, I've been able to see it on ultrasound. I've, I still have yet to have a case where I sent the patient to CT just to double check my ultrasound and I found a AAA. Um, but in theory, I'm sure it's possible. You got to be careful. You don't want to miss this diagnosis. And AAA patients, you're getting blood ready. They're going straight to the OR. This is kind of a all hands on deck type situation. Lots of things can cause abdominal pain, but a few that are really critical that are on your 
CDEM curriculum would be acute coronary syndrome, any of the acidosis, right? Diabetic ketoacidosis, sepsis, salicylate toxicity, COPD with severe CO2 retention, abdominal aortic aneurysm. Lots of things can cause abdominal pain, but you just got to keep your mind open. And if you put, especially, I feel like acute coronary syndrome is a good one that you can put on your differential for a lot of things. I'm a little dizzy, like, oh, acute coronary syndrome. Oh, my shoulder hurts. Oh, acute coronary syndrome. I feel weak and dizzy. Oh, acute coronary syndrome. I thought they're confused. Oh, acute coronary syndrome. You can always put that on your differential. Um, I think it's a, a good thing to kind of always consider. But that's it. Woohoo! We've covered so much abdominal pain these last few months that I am quite frankly ecstatic to not have to talk about it anymore. Um, this is a very common complaint. So this is all high yield. We just kind of have to do it, but hopefully we don't have to talk about abdominal pain for a while. With that said, I'm so excited to move on. Looking forward to next week. Until then, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.